Hello and welcome to the City World Wealth Manager podcast. My name's Sean Schaefer and today I spoke with Joanna Kwok, manager of the JP Morgan Asia Growth Fund. The strategy has seen pretty solid performance and is up 7% over the past year, despite the coronavirus-induced market shock. Joanna spoke about some of the longer-term opportunities in Asia due to the growing consumption of the middle class and the sectors that will benefit. So perhaps we could start with how the fund itself has performed over the past few months um, and, and what's been driving performance and, and kind of what areas haven't been doing so well as well. Mm. So essentially um, what's been working until, I mean, until very recently, I mean, in very recent days, like month to date, market's been very strong, but excluding that there's talk about the first four or five months, right, um, when when we've had this virus, Um Basically, the fund has managed to outperform essentially from three types of three groups of companies that we own. Um, one of them is the kind of e-commerce gaming, online gaming, the online, uh, given everyone's working from home, they have to entertain at home as well. So the online gaming, e-commerce, shopping is done all online. Uh, even corporates, they have to um, you know, take on a lot of um, uh, uh, enterprise software, um, an area that we have been adding um, in cloud infrastructure, those kind of trends which has been happening before the virus has been accelerated by the virus. Um, And so that's why they have done well. Um, Another secondly is healthcare names, given the virus as well. So healthcare related names that we hold, especially in the China space, that has contributed positively. Um, And then thirdly is some of the staples because people still got to eat and and use the daily necessity. Um, And so, you know, we own a soy sauce maker in China. We have... um, uh, we, we have a staples company, you know, one of the largest consumer staples company in India. So, you know, be, be, those kind of things are, are, are still needed. And so those th- type of stocks are working. And what hasn't really been working is um, uh, our exposure to Indonesia and India, because those two markets have performed badly, along with the currency, have also been under a lot of pressure. Uh, those two markets, as you know, are... Um, lower income countries and so their ability to deal with the virus is um, much less developed than developed markets. Do you see that potentially as an opportunity if they've been hit a bit harder? Is that a buying opportunity in perhaps India and Indonesia? Mm. Mm. Well, Indonesia and India, I mean, first of all, my strategy is a pure kind of bottom-up stock selection fundamental uh, company kind of uh, fundamental research driven and so we do find interesting opportunities to invest in India and Indonesia from a bottoms up stock perspective and that's why we do have the exposure there um, and our preference for the types of companies that we like there hasn't really changed due to the virus. I mean we're talking about in both countries um, the fi- some of the financial names selected private sector uh, banks and financials that, you know, in India, selected private sector banks and financials where we believe will 
continue to grow and gain a lot of market share from the state-owned counterparts um, for for a long runway, and they and they will continue to do so even with the within current environment. I mean, you know, as you know, India economy hasn't been doing well even before the virus, and so this virus situation has further pushed back the economic um, recovery than that we have been hoping for, that's going to be pushed out more. Uh, but on a longer-term perspective, um, we do find individual very well-managed um, companies that we, we we do invest there. Um, same in Indonesia, you know, selected, again, private sector um, uh, bank who are well-managed and who have the ability to um, invest in technology from a uh, very early on in order to help them gain more market share, uh, acquire customers much more um, profitably and also to, you know, that that's the, the uh, and especially because these banks are also more tailored towards consumer banking. And so, you know, these countries as individual consumers get uh, wealthier, the demand for financial products are also going to be increasing. Right, because as people get wealthier, before you 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 care about you have a house to live in, you have food to eat, and then as you become healthier, then you want to start thinking about protection for your family, insurance products, life insurance products, for example, um, and financial services. So asset management, for example, these are going to be very these are you know sectors at their infancy, um, and so the runway for growth is 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 very long. Um, drilling back to the um country allocation so so nearly half of the fund is focused on china do you think that's going to change at all over the the next few months is that a concern that it's so heavily weighted towards china or, um, and perhaps there are other regions that you're looking at um to invest more mm. heavily into mm. um so yeah it's true i mean just starting with the universe the benchmark itself asia makes japan hong kong china is half of the universe already and and China has become uh, bigger and and bigger as the market opens up right especially with the opening up of the Chinese Asia market um, etc but from a a bottom up as I uh, mentioned earlier because the the strategy is very much a we're investing in companies and we're looking at uh, from a bottoms up perspective they're also creating a lot of opportunities as well. I mean, because you're seeing actually um, uh, really world-class businesses and business models being evolving and coming out of of China. You know, the, the your, your question, uh, your next question was about you know Tencent and Alibaba. You're seeing this internet giants emerging. Another also very well-run company businesses and business models which are, I would you know call actually world-class businesses which are emerging. And so, and so although the allocation is high already. Um, and it's so big, um, I would expect that this probably will likely maintain given the, from a bottoms-up perspective, the the, um, the 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 opportunities that we find. You know, after all, you've got to remember Chinese, huge population, 1.3 billion people, and, and the cons- consumer are becoming wealthier and their propensity and the ability to spend will increase as well. Um, and this will create a a kind of 
domestic consumption market, and along with it, um, a you know companies which will thrive from this. And and you mentioned some of the larger caps there, the likes of mm. Tencent and Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Um, but are there opportunities sort of lower down the market cap spectrum, or is it all being driven by these these huge companies? Mm. Um, I think it's uh, you're right. Tencent and Alibaba are are very big companies. Well, in in sectors that they're in, um, you know, the technology internet space. I think it's true. The big gets bigger, and the strong emerges. You know, from you know current environment that we're in, um, will emerge stronger as well. But having said that, in other areas, we do find many opportunities in the lower market cap um, uh, uh, area from a bottoms up perspective. I mean, if I look back at some of the um, top contributors to performance over the past few years. In Hong Kong, China, a lot of these companies are more in the mid-cap space, um, whether they be, and, and there's a range of things. There's a, you know, um, vertically integrated textile company, one of the largest um, textile company in the world, Shenzhou is called. Um, you know, they count Nike, Adidas, um, Uniqlo, um, and Puma as their key customers. Over the next few years, can you see a lot more money coming into the larger caps in China, the likes of Tencent and Alibaba and Ping An? I mean, I mean, you can see them appearing in competitors' portfolios that, that aren't even Asian-focused. Do you think there's going to be a lot more money coming into these companies? And is that a bit of a concern for you? Um, look, I think um, you've got to remember that we we don't really invest in companies based on the market cap, we really do, um, you know, conduct our fundamental fundamental research and look for companies with kind of growth potential, a quality growth potential. Um, uh, and so, and this can, and that would fit into our strategy. And so this could be in the big or the small caps. And obviously, we're also mindful of valuations as well. So I think the market also, you know, uh, investors would also pay attention, um, uh, you know, to the fundamentals, to the valuation and make their judgment um, based on that. Um, I mean, the, 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 uh, yeah. I think, you know, it's true. A lot of these bigger names are well-known names. Um, but, you know, we also... You know, the likes of Tencent and Alibaba, for example, these are very big companies. But the way that we, um, our valuation metric and framework, we think of things on a five-year basis. So not just, you know, valuation this year and next year, but on a medium term, a five-year basis, we'll make forecasts on that, based on that. And on that basis, our expected return on you know, on an annualized basis for the next five years, is still pretty respectable for the likes of Tencent and Alibaba. So we remain, you know, we remain invested in these names, even though you would, you could argue, well, these names are very big already and very well known already. Um, I wanted to go back to sort of the development of the middle class that you mentioned earlier, um, uh, and sort of the changes of demographics. And I, I guess it's. Um, uh, about sort of regional 
um, economies growing. And and how is that changing how you're investing? What what are going to be the opportunities over perhaps the next few years going forward? Um, yeah, I mean, this is actually, this is a really good question to have because it, it, enti- it, it really encompasses what um, our strategy um, is about because, because, because you're right, Asia is population to 60% of the world population and, and middle class um, uh, consumers are becoming wealthier and spending and along with aging populations and many of the countries in the region it's definitely giving rise to investment opportunities. And specifically, because of this, we, we find many opportunities into the three groups, I would say, that's benefiting from this. One is technology. Secondly, is financials and financial deepening, as I mentioned, you know, the demand for financial products. Um, uh, um, and along with, uh, along with uh, technology is is the consumption upgrade as well, the use of technology to upgrade the consumption patterns, especially. Um, and, and thirdly, is demographics-wise, means education and healthcare are areas of growth um, where we, can, we try to identify the opportunities to invest in. So kind of three areas, right? The financials, the, the, the consumption and technology, and the healthcare and education, which is as a result of kind of demographics, um, would be would be the area where we can find secular trends and companies which are benefiting from these secular trends. But remember, um, you know, the key is really identify the winners from the losers. You know, take for example. In the healthcare space, of course, everyone knows that well. Spending on healthcare will be going up, but but identifying um, the winners from the losers in the in the in the pharma pharma pharmaceutical companies that you invest in um, is so important. And I'm really grateful that I do have a team, a big team of analysts, to help me identify all these. Um, uh, and have have there been any? Um, stocks that you've picked over the past few months in that sector. Uh, over the past few, uh, over the past few months specifically, no, because we are actually already identified some of the names that we we like in the sector, and so um, and because, as I mentioned, this sector as a whole has also in the healthcare sector as a whole has generally done pretty well. So we have been invested in them. We benefit from them outperforming, um, and and if anything, um, some of them the valuation has become a little bit more expensive, and we would marginally be 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 reducing the position as the valuation gets a little okay. bit stretched. Sure. Um, again, you mentioned financial services growing as a result of this changing demographic, um, and and who do you think are going to be the winners going forward? Um. Yeah, so you know, within fi- because obviously financials is several sector. I would say one the uh, one is the life insurance sector in the region, in places like China, in India, penetration of insurance um, uh, uh, products. It's still very underpenetrated for co- large country 
like China, India, even more behind. And so selected companies that we like, uh, who are very well-managed, names like Ping'an and AIA, HDFC Standard Life, those are the types of life comp uh, insurance companies that we think would benefit from the, uh, as the market um, increases, but also able to grow profitably as well because of the better management and execution that they have. Um, another area um, would be the more retail-focused banks, um, the privately owned retail-focused banks, you know, the likes of HDFC Bank in India um, and also in China as well, China Merchants Bank and Ping'an Bank. Those are more the retail-focused banks um, who we, we think believe that the management is um, much more capable than their competitive, uh, their, their peers. And then thirdly, if I think further, further, further out, given um, that how the market will will is still at its infancy, is things like asset management. You know, we have HDFC um, asset asset management, and you know the AUM in, in the sector is still minimal compared to compared to the to many countries in the region. And you would expect that. As people get wealthier, then they will start to be saving and investing. But that will take a long time. Yeah, we're I'm, not we're, we're, might, we're not talking about the next five years. It'll be you know a decade more. As and to, and, to and how have you? This. What's the strategy of the asset managers? There is it purely just sort of high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals, or are they looking to kind of maybe the kind of mass affluent sector and and maybe building relationships? As you say, it, you know it could, yeah, it could be a decade of. Of of, mm. of growth there, so you know mm. how are they approaching it? I mean, obviously they are. They you know they're already um, you know one of the larger ones. So of course they will be targeting the 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 premium end, but also the mass affluent, as especially with their HDFC bank network already. Uh, uh, there is a lot of cross selling opportunities as these um, uh, you know. Uh, uh, middle class consumers are ready to take on um, more of these investment, and so I think they, you know, they probably have the best network and franchise um, uh, to to be doing this actually. Um, uh, so yeah, so you know, something like that for the more longer term as well as they realize um, that you know the demand for pension savings etc sure. is that develop yeah um the, the chinese market's often scrutinized for its levels of debt and is is that something that you're concerned about or, or is that something that you're seeing is is perhaps improving a bit mm. yes um so the debt issue in china a lot of it is residing within the state-owned enterprise um and and for sure, some of them will have difficulty and are going to be facing difficulty in paying down the debt. But fortunately, we don't invest in any of these. Um, and one of the key things that I look at, we look at is, especially in times like this, is balance sheet strength. You know, our, our investment framework, how we look at, uh, you know, determine what type of company that we're investing in, whether we want to own this company or not is really looking at the economics 
the, the type of return that they generate, the duration of their return, how sustainable can they generate their return? And also thirdly, uh, you know, the governance aspect of it. So, so, and the strategy that we run really focuses on more the quality and premium comp companies that we find in the region um, with a better balance sheet strength. And so even though there is a lot of state-owned enterprise with a huge debt pile, we don't invest in these things. Because of the pandemic, um, obviously there's been a, a shrink in, in demand for exports globally. And, and how has that affected um, companies in your portfolio? I, I assume both Chinese companies and and Indian companies, etc. Um, you know, what's what's going to be the, the effect on those companies going forward? Mm. Um, uh, well, you know, it's true, the, 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 the world economy has significantly slowed. And so, um, and Asia is so interlinked to the rest of the world that the slowdown in export, Asia, China, etc. We're not going to we're not going to be immune for sure. Um, but from what we discussed earlier, in terms of the longer term secular trends that we're seeing in Asia and the comp the better companies that are emerging from it, it all they are more ex um, more exposed to the domestic consumption story. Um, you know the 1.3 billion consumers that I mentioned in China, the, 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 the domestic consumption story, we believe, over the medium term, will still continue to be the driving force. Um, and, so, and so the investment opportunities from a stock perspective, uh, we still find um, many kind of opportunities from a bottoms-up perspective that is more tailored to the domestic consumption growth. So I mean, but but kind of uh, their their balance sheets must have been affected pr pretty hard over the past few months, I would assume. Mm. Um, yes, I mean some of them. Uh, a lot of the companies do are uh, that we invest in do have the solid balance sheet. Um, you know, some of the companies are actually doing even better. As I said, they're online companies. Um, the e-commerce, online gaming, the enterprise infrastructure, uh, cloud infrastructure type, those are actually seeing increasing demand. So their balance sheet is fine. You know, some, there would be, you know, there, there'll be an um, odd one here and there that, yes, that their balance sheet will be a little bit more stretched. Uh, for example, um, one of the names that we invest in is a, in a Chinese hotel segment. And obviously hotels is pretty hard hit um, along in the tourism sector. And and some of them do, will have to uh, will ha have asked for some uh, interest uh, waivers for for the moment for the next year or so. Um, uh, but we are hearing and 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 seeing, you know, the the the, the um, that the worst should have passed us, um, and and that they are seeing some incremental sequential recovery from from the really bad situation they had a few months ago in February, March, etc. And so we do believe that they are, uh, they have the ability to, to sustain this, uh, you know, sustain through this. And, and I suppose as we come out of the, the major peak of the pandemic globally, what are the risks for companies in your portfolio and perhaps some of the opportunities? Mm. I would say the risk is... Um, if there is a second wave of infection, 
as, as we open up, that, that would be a key risk. Um, also, just the general fact about U.S.-China relationship. Um, mm. That would spring uh, up again, I'm would sure. Also be, <laughs> yeah. yeah, as it has come up already, right? So, um, so I think those would be the key risks. This would then also affect you know, U.S. dollar. And historically, as you know, U.S. dollar strength not um, has, hasn't been positive for Asian markets. U.S. dollar weakness is normally better for for Asian markets. So, um, so yeah, all those would be risk and opportunities. I mean, a lot of the opportunities that we discuss um, are the more kind of uh, mid to longer term secular trends that we're seeing in Asia from domestic consumption that continues, right? Um, and and you know. We've been, we have been uh, increasing to some of the online e-commerce and entertainment um, segments. We have been increasing weight there on the enterprise software as well, uh, selected enterprise software. Because, you know, when you talk about enterprise software, you're essentially moving companies, uh, things from offline to online to make it much more efficient, um, and there are different verticals in that too. And we find individual companies within different verticals, the leaders in each of these verticals, um, uh, enterprise software player, to, to benefit from the trend, which has already started before the virus. Um, you know, for example, Chinese government's really been pushing this for companies to move from offline to online. Um, and it's just accelerated by this trend. And so these are some of the, you know, opportunities that... Um, yeah, I, I think when the pandemic first started, um, obviously a lot of Chinese production was affected. Um, and, and do you think there'll be an opportunity for perhaps some other Asian economies to to take up production? Um, you know, have more factories outside of China that are being used globally. Do you think there'll be a bit of a shift away from Chinese mm. production? Mm. Um, I think specifically for, for specifically for the virus situation, I think China did recover. The supply came back on quite quickly. I would say actually um, after Chinese New Year's Day, because the Chinese government was so vicious in, in locking down, and uh, yeah, they were I quite. Mean, I, I agree with but, that. But, but but yeah, go on. Mm. But to answer your question, even before the virus, though, because if you remember. Uh, companies has already diversifying their their supply chain, especially with the U.S. China trade tension that's been going on for the past year and a half, has accelerated the company's uh, plans to diversify. I mean, companies are diversifying already because the cost of production, the labor cost, has been rising in China, right? And so you've seen a shift to other Southeast Asian economies, Vietnam, for example, um, and it has been then accelerated by the Chinese trade war, uh, the US-China trade war. And then with the virus, yes, it does get people to also think again that we need to diversify. Um, and, and who are... Uh, again, who, so you have seen... Yeah, who benefits? Sorry. Um, um, which countries benefit? 
Well, if you're from a top-down perspective, um, uh, Vietnam has definitely benefited in terms of, you know, Samsung has uh, got a huge base there, um, but also uh, uh, Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam has been benefiting from textile sector going there, but textile has also shifted to not only Vietnam, but Cambodia. Um, and I would say that Vietnam has really benefited. I mean, Thailand historically has been quite an auto um, automobile um, uh, kind of production base, right? And Indonesia um, has taken some, but not so uh, not so much. It's not so easy to set up the because you know after all, when you move your um, it, when you move your facilities over, the whole supply chain needs to be ready too, right? Because if you move alone, but you still need to source all your components who are all still back in China, you're going to have like increased shipping costs and, uh, and freight costs, right? So it's it's not, um, you know, they can't just ship everything out of China into other places because it does take a long time. Uh, but I would I would say that, uh, yeah, places like Southeast Asia has definitely, definitely benefited. Um, uh, uh, and and probably increasing increasingly so, but it does take time, and also the efficiency of the, uh, you know, the efficiency might not be as good as China. You still need to train these people up, turnover. Uh, you know, there's still lots of different labor issues, um, etc., uh, to deal with. So, so it's not it's not as so it is a long process really for for companies. Mm-hmm. 